Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Today on KSL Plus, painful images out of Afghanistan, an impossible exodus for so many looking for safety, and the chaos at the end of America's longest war lasting 20 years stretches beyond the borders of Afghanistan. I'm Matt Rascone, and this is KSL Plus. And today we're taking a closer look at the impact of the unfolding Taliban takeover in Afghanistan and how it's impacting people a world away in Utah. Over the last few days, my colleagues and I at KSL TV I've spoken to Utahns with connections to Afghanistan. As a soldier, you know, nobody asked my opinion. Including Lane Morris, who returned 19 years ago after fighting Al-Qaeda. Shrapnel from a hand grenade blinded him in his right eye. Now with the Afghan government collapsed, Morris rejects the idea that the United States failed in its mission. When you join the military, you join up understanding that um, that you're going to go and fight who your political leaders tell you is the enemy and who you who you need to fight and so when you ask me if it was worth it it was worth it to me um i don't feel like i don't feel like my sacrifice is in vain or a waste i just i don't look at it like that i'm sure there's people out there that maybe do look at it that way um, whether they were wounded or not. Maybe, if, maybe they just spent a year away from their families over there. But I just don't look at it as uh, was it worth it or not worth it in, in those terms. I, I went and did what my country asked me to do, and it was an honor. And I'd do it again. Um, I'll go tomorrow if we need to go back there. They, I'm sure they don't need me. <laughs> but that's, that's my role. That was my role as a soldier and uh, I did it proudly and was thrilled to do it. And I'd, I'd do it again. So was it worth it? It was absolutely worth it. Um, we accomplished the main mission, which was to get Al-Qaeda out of there. Taliban, like I said, the Taliban was just in the way. So that was mission accomplished. We've set those guys up. You know, anybody that says that this is a U.S. failure, I think is 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 not placing the blame where the where the blame needs to be you know there's that 
old saying about the you know freedom the taste of freedom as a flavor uh, for those who have fought for it that the protected don't know and well in Afghanistan um, they're going to find out about losing freedom and I hope as a people and as a country that they make a decisions that instead of looking around and saying somebody needs to do something about this that they'll say I'm going to do something about this I mean it, it's really it's a testament to both the the brutality of the of the Taliban uh, and 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 people's unwillingness to express themselves because of that. Jenny Taylor's husband, Major Brent Taylor, was killed in an insider attack by an Afghan Special Forces trainee in November 2018 while serving with the Utah National Guard. really careful that we don't call everything a waste because I think if, if anything ever is a waste any trial we as a person or as a country a world face if we let it be a waste I think that's on us for not learning and growing um, I would say instead of pointing fingers it's time for some pointed questions we need to really dig deep as Americans and, and ask ourselves what are we doing in our individual spheres in our own homes and communities to make the world a better place to make it so it's worth it people ask that all the time is it worth it is it worth it you decide are you going to make it worth it? Are you going to help your children make it worth it? Are you going to rise up and, and help raise that next greatest generation of Americans? Or are we all going to sit back in defeat and say, well, it's too bad we tried. I, for one, we, we can't give up and we'll keep going. I know Brent died loving the Afghan people. He died trying to give them freedom and hope and opportunity. And he wasn't only willing to die if there was victory at the end of the battle. You know, hundreds and thousands of our brave men and women die in battle long before they know what treaty will get signed at the end. But they sign up anyway. They go in, they serve, they sacrifice, they love, they lift, they plant seeds. There's a lot of devastation in Afghanistan and around the world. I hope that within that devastation, there's also seeds of hope. There's growth, there's opportunity. And this week, I spoke with Hamza Yakubi. He fled Afghanistan with his family and came to the U.S. as refugees in 2002. Now he and his family are desperate to bring home his sister, who was living in Afghanistan temporarily with her four- and two-year-old sons when all this happened in the last few days. And she is now stranded there, waiting and hoping for a way back to Utah. Uh, but just to confirm, you don't want your you don't want the video portion on here. No. Can you talk about what the last uh, several days have been like? It's been terrifying, horrifying, devastating in a lot of senses. You know, I'm Afghan, that in itself, you know, uh, you feel sad and lost for the Afghans that are currently living there. Who knows what type of, you know, 
there was a reason people didn't like living under Taliban rule back then. Why would they enjoy living under Taliban rule now? It's a loss to human rights. It's a loss to rights to women, you know, minorities, ethnic minorities, religious minorities. You know, I am religiously Shia. It's a minority, a religious minority. And, you know, um, we'd be persecuted if we lived there right now. Um, you know, a lot of ethnic minorities like the Hazar community often targeted. And if you look at throughout this, you know, the U.S. occupation, uh, most oftentimes it was the Hazar community that was targeted. Um, so, you know, the you know, Taliban could say, you know, we're, we're going to be better. But, you know, as soon as the international community gives them legitimacy, they will just revert back. You know, you're, you're, uh, there's already stories, you know, that, you know, they told Afghan women that they can no longer work. They have to have their cousins or uh, husbands or the men in their family to t- take their uh, spots. So you could already see that happening. So imagine once they, you know, the international community actually goes, yep, you're the you know, the government and we will be working with you, they'll just revert back. So, but as far as us, you know, we, we haven't slept in days um, just because of what's happening, but also just on a personal level, my sister is stuck over there. Her two kids are stuck over there. Um, my mom has cried for the past couple of days, just feeling grief and you know, all um, the sadness, not sure whether she'll make it or not. Because, you know, when it's a scramble, everyone is trying to, you know, make sure they're safe. But, you know, she's there by herself. And the moment her husband's here, she had, you know, this escalated so quickly that uh, she wasn't able to get out of there in time. Were you born there? Yes, I'm originally from Afghanistan. I came here as a refugee back during, well, um, you know, my family and I, we fled Afghanistan during the Civil War. And then, you know, we lived in Pakistan for a while. Then we came to the United States as refugees. How long ago was that? Uh, We came here right around uh, early 2002. Early 2002. So that's really when, not long after the U.S., went in there. So for the last 20 years, though, I mean, since you've been here, I mean, things have been different, right? Um, With the US there, uh, what are your thoughts on everything that's happened on the US side as far as pulling out as quickly as they did and, and, uh, and then ultimately leading to this Taliban takeover? I, you know, I, at the moment, I just want to focus on the Afghans, you know, things happened whatever but I, I will say this you know as an afghan in the diaspora and then hearing what afghans are going through um afghans do feel abandoned uh, and betrayed you know the u.s was all you know human rights and uh, all of a sudden you know instead of making sure everyone was evacuated properly they evacuated themselves they, they left so uh afghans feel abandoned i, I think you know obviously the U.S. couldn't have stayed there. And you can talk to any Afghan citizen. Um, they agreed, you know, uh, obviously the United States can't stay there, but they could have prevented what happened. It, it's a tragedy. Tragedy is a disaster. Um, the U.S. had intelligence early on, you know, 
and they knew that you know the Afghan government was going to collapse. If if they knew that, why didn't they work on early to make sure the vulnerable Afghans were out? So I'm not saying you know it's one part, but you know it, this was preventable. Now the Afghans that are stranded there, they'll have to suffer the consequences. Talk a little bit more about uh, your sister. So was she was she living over there with her children, and uh, and what what's her situation right now? Uh, so she's there with her two children as of right now we have been in communication with the office of mike lee and senator Mitt romney uh they told us as anyone would we had to fill out this repatriate form so they know uh, that there's a citizen you know she's a united states citizen citizen and she's trying to come back to uh, america even if she wanted to go to the airport you know, the, it's chaos, it's madness. She wouldn't be able to because, um, you know, she's by herself and uh, she's a woman and who knows what would happen along the way. So um, even if she ended, got to the airport, she wouldn't be able to get on a flight because commercial flights are not working right now. So as of right now, we're just waiting to hear back until she hears something um, that, you know, they can say, hey, this is where you need to be, this is what time you need to be. And then we'll evacuate you from there. But it's been an agonizing 24, 36 hours trying to make sure uh, that she gets something. We, we filled that out. The repatriate form yesterday, we're just waiting now to hear something back. And you said she's she's a U.S. citizen. She's grown, yes. grown up the last 20 years. Yes. Um, so um, she came here with us. Um, back in, you know, as I mentioned, back in 2002. So yes, she was raised here, and she just caught up in this mess. When, uh, when you have, because you mentioned that you had you had spoken to her, what is that? What, what's that conversation like? What are you hearing from her? Is there a lot of fear or a kind of the unknown? Or there's the fear of the unknown of not being able to know if she will make it out. Because, again, it's just chaos and madness right now. Um, and she's just, you know, worried about her two kids. You know, as bad as it is being a woman over there, you know, the pressure, you can't do anything. Uh, you need a man to do anything. You can't go outside. You can't work. You know, you'd have to... Um, a whole lot of things that a woman can uh, do publicly, you'd need a man for. So, and she... Uh, wouldn't even care about that. But, you know, the life that her two children would have to live, it, that's something that she won't be able to bear. Um, so she's afraid of the uncertainty, afraid of the lives her children would have to lead in that country. Yeah, I was going to ask you, um, I guess you kind of answered it there, but uh, can you talk about just, I mean, we're we're seeing those images of people just, you know, trying to pile on these planes and get out of the country. What, why the urgency to get out of the country? Um, what, uh, what can you say about, uh, I guess, uh, living there under Taliban rule? It, it, there's a lot to say there. Uh, you know, if you're not doing everything, you know, as the Taliban would wish like, you're going to be executed. Um, Afghans lived through the Taliban rule before, and they don't want to do it again. Um, they'll be persecuted for any reason. Do you speak out against the government? If you're a general journalist, you'll be executed. If you're an activist, you'll be executed. If you're a minority, you'll be executed. Um, 
uh, Afghans don't want to live through that. Uh, you can see uh, the pictures you see Afghans forming the airport, sticking on planes. And while the plane is in air, they're still sticking on. The horrific image of an Afghan person falling to his death while the plane was in, in midair, um, you know, it's painful to see. And that illustrates that, you know, they'd rather choose death than to live under Taliban rule. is the U.S. doing enough? Are we doing what we're supposed to be doing to, to help protect and, and get people like your sister, who's a U.S. citizen, out of the country? I think there's talks of it. I'll say that. But no, it's not being done as quickly as enough. Nothing is being expedited. Um, there are... There's a pre... Uh, for lack of a better word, like the... Av- there's the SIV and then the priority to uh, for applicants. But that's based on if you have U.S. affiliations. What about the Afghans that need asylum? What about the Afghans that uh, you know are vulnerable? No, the U.S. is not doing enough in that regard. Whatever it be, we need to expedite the process for SIVs, priority to expand um, uh, our visa quotas for Afghans, and uh, include refugees, and we demand that other, uh, you know, we want the United States to demand other countries to allow refugees in. You, you could say that there, uh, there should be like, you know, we could accept this number of refugees, fine. What about the rest of them? And in that way, uh, ask other countries, you know, take in refugees, because all of the bordering countries have blocked off their borders, uh, Afghans can't get out. And those are the Afghans that are most vulnerable. Is there anything else you want, you feel like uh, would be important for people in Utah and in the U.S. to, to know about the situation that's happening there and, um, and what can be done to, to help that situation? I would say outside of whether you think what happened is right or wrong, whether you believe you know, U.S. had to evacuate whether you thought, um, you, you know, no matter what you thought uh, about the political situation, at the moment, Afghans are suffering. Do whatever you can. Donate to fundraisers. Uh, Afghans are uh, right now internally displaced. There's a lot of Afghans that need food uh, that are over there. Outside of that, we need to make sure to hold the U.S. accountable, you, you know, this chaos wouldn't have happened if the, you know, quick withdrawal of an evacuation of the U.S. And that's what led to this chaos. Uh, we, we, I want to let everyone know right now is to call your representatives and ask them to allow more refugees, allow more asylums, um, because Afghans are suffering and Afghan refugees have nowhere else to go. When you look ahead in the near or future what uh what do you see with with your home country with with afghanistan so i am i'm part of this group called the afghan american community organization it's a national organization you know we've always the 
focus of the group is to spread the diaspora. We you know how to be there for each other. Um, everyone in the diaspora had dreams of contributing, giving back to the country one day. And this uh, situation has it's been devastating. Not now, not knowing if we'll ever be able to see Afghanistan again. You know, it wouldn't be safe to go back home. I think what our hope is, no matter what, we just want to be there for Afghans back home, whatever um, that may mean. Did that answer your question? Yes. Yeah. And so you, yeah. So now you're kind of struggling with the reality that you may not see the country again. Yes. And adding on to that, you know, we're not losing hope. You know, Afg- this event has traumatized us again because we've lived through this. I, my mother, my siblings, you know, we came and endured the civil war. And, um, you know, my, my mom was traumatized by this, and now this is a really traumatization of it. But given all of that, you know, we know that the child uh, are oppressive would take, you know, the uh, Afghan country back to medieval times. Um, but given all of that, you know, we're hopeful that, that you know, we're not going to give up on the Afghans that are there. Afghans in the diaspora, there's a real survival guilt right now. You know, uh, we went through all of this. We are, most of us are refugees, be it back from the, um, we're being part of the refugee process back from the Soviet invasion, back from the civil war, even back from the invasion of the U.S. and occupation of U.S. of the of Afghanistan. We've, you know, refugees have lived through that. Um, and uh, I, I guess to make it short, we just want to make sure uh, uh, Afghanistan, that we're still here for them, despite what's happening. So was the last time you were there, uh, was that in 2002, or have you been there since? Um, I, I was a baby. Um, it, during the Civil War, my mom carried me in her arms. Um, you know, chaos was surrounding us, but my mom carried me and my siblings were in tow. You know, we we're all seeing all of this craziness around us. And I, I won't share too much of like the explicitness of what we were seeing as we were trying to get out. Um, but yeah, I was a baby. I was an infant when I was born there. I've never been back. And the uh, Afghans, and, like we hold our, our identity so close to us. And that's why this is devastating. Like we, we might not ever be able to go back again. KSL TV will stay on top of the unfolding developments out of Afghanistan. That does it for us, though, this week here on KSL Plus. I'm Matt Rascone, and we'll see you again next week. 